Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hey everyone, for today's special episode of Strictly Hoop Talk, I got first time guest on the podcast, my friend Young Simba, the 2K Messiah, one of my favorite uh, YouTube 2K players. Um, I just love to watch him stream 2K, he's a, he's a real dope dude. And so I had him on the podcast to talk some hoops, we talked a little bit of rap too because he's a he's a rap fan, so that's at the end of the podcast as well as some just some 2K some NBA 2K talk, but the main focus of this podcast is post-free agency. We are now days away from the NBA training camp. God, does that seem crazy that the NBA training camp is already starting back up and the season is getting ready again. I got to start getting my fantasy league together, but that's a whole nother subject. In today's episode, we just talk about three teams that we each found interesting for some reason. And it was the draft and the free agency, just the off season that each team had um, that was really, really interesting to us. So that was very, very fun. Um, I promise, I promise I didn't bring, I tried my hardest not to bring up the Pistons. The Pistons did sneak their way into this. It's not one of my three teams. It's not one of Young Simba's three teams. So it's not super in-depth, but uh, there was just a little minute Piston point. I'm trying to get better at not bringing up the pisses every podcast because you could turn that into a crazy drinking game, but I digress. Lastly, just some real quick housekeeping. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RealChrisPlatte, C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. I know you know how to spell real. Uh, hit me up on there if you want an individualized playlist. I'm still doing some of those. I finished the batch of playlists that I that I was just currently working on, so if you hit me now, I can get you one. I can get you one relatively soon. And also, Twitter and Instagram are the best places to stay up to date on the content I have coming. I have some awesome, uh, awesome audio content coming for the podcast, as well as some interesting video and and visual content coming. So stay tuned for that. Be on the lookout, and those are the best places to stay up to date on that. Now, without further ado, let me throw it to the podcast. This is NBA post-free agency sit down with my boy young Simba Hello, everyone. Welcome to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty, and joining me is a special first-time guest, my man, the 2K Messiah, Young Simba from YouTube. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great. How about you? Man, I'm doing good. This is this is a collaboration that's, that's long overdue, my friend. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> man... And and we'll get to your we'll get to your hip hop stuff in a minute at the end of this podcast because I I want to talk about that that dope setup you got um you got mm-hmm. going on with 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 the hip hop but for now we're just gonna talk NBA free agency so free agency is basically over at this point who knows it's everything is happening so fast you never know what's gonna happen in the NBA now with this shortened off season but 
free agency seems to be mostly over, just crossing some T's and dotting some I's. So we each picked three teams that were interesting to us for whatever reason. It can be we liked the moves, we didn't like the moves, we're confused by the moves. Um, just just off seasons that were just really interesting to us and stood out to us. And of my three teams, I'll go first since one of my teams is a defending champion, the Los Angeles Lakers, and they deserve the right to start to start the podcast. So for me, you know, looking at what they did, they brought in uh, they brought in Montrez Harrell, they brought in Dennis Schroeder, Marcus Soule, they re-signed KCP to three years. They got Markeith Morris back on the minimum. They got Wes, uh, Wes Matthews joining the team on the minimum. And they lost Dwight Howard, Danny Green in the trade for Dennis Schroeder, uh, Avery Bradley, who didn't play with them in the bubble, um, Quinn Cook, and Rajon Rondo to the Atlanta Hawks. So overall, when I look at this, I, I, I love this offseason for the Lakers. I, I thought that talent-wise, they, they got... They got a little bit better. I don't think they got that much better. But again, I know Bradley wasn't in the bubble, but they they just always felt in the bubble one guard, one wing short to me. But again, I think their roster is even better than it, than it was. So I think they're kind of the overwhelming favorites for me. What did you think of the Lakers offseason? Yeah, I, I definitely think that they made some pretty significant improvements, especially with the guard play. Montrezl Harrell is a great pickup as well. And most importantly, they improved while the rest of the West, they improved, but they hasn't improved as much as the Lakers, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I like, I really like them getting Dennis Schroeder for Harrell, just because uh, because of the Lou Will uh, Harrell picking game was so great in the Clippers that I think that Dennis Schroeder is not the same player as Lou Williams. But um, again, just giving Harold that dynamic ball handler to be able to run pick and roll with. Of course, he'll have LeBron James as as well, but um, giving him that quick, fast point guard to to um, to run the pick and roll with, I think is going to be very helpful for him. So I, I really liked that trade. All right, so that's my thing with the Lakers. Now I'm looking again. I feel like they're one guard or wing short. Is there anyone out there that you still think of that you you think, man, that would be nice if the Lakers were able to get them? Um, off the top of my head, I would have to go with Glenn Robinson. He's pretty good three and D wise. It, it shooting is always great to bring to the team and he'll probably be able to get picked up for a minimum contract. So I think that would be a decent pickup for them to get. Yeah. I, I really like that pickup. That's actually who I had as well. Um, you know, and then maybe somebody down the line, uh, I know Darren Collison kind of flirted with the idea of coming back. So maybe if they can get um, even though I, I, I don't know they need a necessarily a ball handler, like a point guard. I think they just need another a, a, a two or a three instead of maybe a one. But uh, but Darren Collison, I think, would help, too, if he's if, if he ever uh, decides to come out of retirement, because I know he kind of flirted with that in the um, in, at the end of the at the end of the season there. So, OK, Young Symbol, let's go with one of your teams. What's a team that stood out to you this offseason? Uh, me personally, I'm going to have to start with my Pacers. I know this might not be flashy to most people, but in my personal opinion, I think it's great what they did this offseason. So they were able to pick up new coach Nate Borgren. I still haven't learned his name correctly, <laughs> but I think that's a great pickup over Nate McMillan. He's supposed to be an offensive guru from what I've heard, and that's exactly what they need. Also, they decided to not acquire and overpay for Gordon Hayward which was great. They got Justin Holiday back three years, $18 million, which is a steal. Great defender, a 40% three-point shooter, 
all around the board. And then they traded TJ Lee for Jalen LeCue, athletic guard. He might get some minutes under the new coach. And a lot of people are liking Cassius Stanley, another athletic guy. So me personally, I'm just happy to run it back with the same squad and hopefully everyone can stay healthy. Okay, see, that that's interesting because me as an outsider here when it comes to the Pacers, the Pacers are not my, are, are not my team, but... Uh, and I'll admit they're they're the one really good team that just for whatever reason I've I I wouldn't say I've watched the least, but um, they're they're the team that I'm the mo uh, the least uh, I, I I guess I consider myself comfortable with with my viewpoint on them. So maybe you could walk me through it because to me you brought up a lot of interesting points. You brought up the Gordon Hayward thing that seemed to happen, and what I heard from Bill Simmons, I believe it was, or Zach Lowe, that. Uh, in the trade back, they were trading back Miles Turner, and Boston was trying to sniff around the league to see what kind of value Miles Turner had in a trade, and they didn't like the they didn't like the the value that they perceived him to have. So they they ultimately didn't want to do the uh, Indiana thing. So I was actually kind of disappointed with that. Um, but now when I see what Charlotte gave him, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if that was the kind of money that we were talking for Gordon Hayward, I'm just, well, I, well, I hope Gordon Hayward lives up to that, that kind of money. I just don't see it right now. Um, it, it's a tough, it's always tough when you deal with an injury that's so charismatic so, or not charismatic. Sorry. That's a totally wrong word. Um, an injury that's so just gruesome and devastating and just mentally scarring that I, I think that that's something to concern about with Hayward moving forward. But is that why you're is that why you're interested in or why you're happy that the Pacers didn't overpay for Hayward is because you think that it was just too much value at the end of the day? Yeah, I think, first off, they were giving up too much value. I know Zach Lowe, like you said, the value for Miles Turner isn't that high, but I also think that's because he hasn't really been given much of an opportunity since his rookie season, since yeah. Nate McMillan has been hired because – they run more of a back-to-the-back offense, like they a lot of posts up and stuff. And that's not Miles Turner game. He likes to shoot threes. He can take it off the dribble as a big. He could mm-hmm. guard wings and guard the perimeter pretty well for a center. And his ability to stretch the uh, stretch the floor out hasn't really been utilized. And the new coach this morning said he wants him shooting at least six or seven threes a game. So oh. that makes me very happy okay. as a Pacers fan. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I like that. Okay, so... So yeah, so I, I I do agree with that. You know, um, the the Sabonis Turner fit. I don't think it's the most uncomfortable fit, um, especially in the Eastern Conference when you get to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. But um, I do think that there's a little that, that there's a little something to be worked out. And if this is the coach that can do it, then I think that it's going to raise even both of their values. Because right now it's looked at as Sabonis is is kind of the guy is what it seems like in Miles Turner is the one that's kind of on the outside where a year ago it was totally flipped. So that's a that's an interesting um that's an interesting thing to watch and I'll be I'll be very interested to see how that coach reinvents that offense and and if that can increase Miles Turner value because a year ago today, young Simba, we're sitting here and we're talking, oh Miles Turner, a couple years, eighteen million. That's a that's a good deal. He's a he's a young promising center. He can he can block shots, he can shoot threes, he can switch on to to wings all the stuff you were talking about so it's funny how a year passes and now it's almost seemed like it's a it's a contract that not a lot of people would want yep I just hope that uh the new coach can work it out and everyone most importantly stays healthy that's been the biggest problem the last 
I don't know how many years as a Patriots fan. It's always just health every single season. So yeah. hopefully they can stay healthy. That's that's true. But I think the, the encouraging thing, I'm pretty optimistic on Oladipo this year just because I think that uh, when people go through hard injuries like that, I, I have very little expectations for them that first year, that first six months or whatever, however long of a time frame they have before they get fully healthy. So um, I'll, I'll be watching Victor Oladipo. And this is interesting. I'm glad you brought up the Pacers, though, because even though, like you said, they didn't make flashy moves, all of their best players were under contract, but yet somehow this felt like an important offseason. They didn't make the – they didn't trade Oladipo. They um, – they, they they had they had a lot of just kind of rumors swirling around them. They changed coaches, which is a big change. But other than that, I mean, their core roster is the exact same. And so I think it I think it's really interesting. Did it feel like it was a like it was an important off season to you going in or not really? Uh yeah, I feel like it was important just based on all the rumors. Like there was Miles Turner, Victor Oladipo allegedly mm-hmm. wanted out. Victor Oladipo and Malcolm Brogdon wanted. Uh, Nate McMillan fired during the playoffs, like rumors came out like that. So I think they hit their mark for the most part. Resigning Justin Holiday was the biggest thing to me. And then just running the core back together. And once again, health is going to have to be the most important thing. Hopefully Brogdon can stay healthy and uh, Warren and Sabonis recover from their plantar fasciitis. Hey, you're talking to a Pistons fan, man. Blake Griffin on one leg was everything to us. Yeah. All right, let's jump to another team, uh, which I promise I won't bring up the Pistons in this podcast, considering my last podcast was with James Edwards of The Athletic, and just all we talked about was the Pistons when there was 29 other teams. So I promise, listeners, you're not getting Piston talk this podcast. Uh, Let's bring up another Western Conference contender that's I'm not sure what to make of anymore, and that's the Houston Rockets. They brought in DeMarcus Cousins, they brought in Christian Woods, they lost Austin Rivers, Jeff Green, Robert Covington in the trade, um, in that in that trade to Portland, which then ended up shipping Ariza to Detroit and a, a long and complicated trade. Uh, you know, I, I got a couple questions here. The obvious question is, are we going to see any combination of Harden and or Westbrook at the start of the season for Houston or just for how long? And the other takeaway, the the first part I want to talk about is the is the bigs. You know, I like the bigs that they got. I like Christian Woods, obviously, from Detroit, played very well. Um, and I think it's a good contract for him. DeMarcus Cousins, I like him. Uh, I like him. As you know, as a 2K player, he's that guy you always pick up when you're doing a My League real quick and just yeah, uh, and just absolutely cheat the system by getting a dominant center off the free agency. Now I don't know if he's he's as good as he is in 2K, but he's a good player to have um and I like the I like the versatility that he gives Houston with with also backing up Christian Woods, I assume. But but again, you know, losing Jeff Green, Robert Covington, and Austin Rivers, I all thought those were three big players for them who played really well. So I don't know if they got any better. So first off, let's talk about the fact of looking at the ins and the outs, the additions and subtractions. Did Houston get better? And then we'll get to the Harden Westbrook stuff. Um, I think that Houston they got better just simply because they're done with the small ball PJ Tucker at center. I, I just I personally never thought that that was going to work out. 
I I just had no faith in it. So I think them bringing in two pretty good bigs, well, at least Christian Wood, we'll see with DeMarcus Cousins after the injury. I think they got better by default. Okay. Yeah, see me, I I just I I do think they got I think they got more balance, which I think will help them, especially considering that their coach is no longer Mike D'Antoni. And if anybody was able to, I actually think Mike D'Antoni did a fantastic job maximizing the situation in Houston. Um, so I think that I think that this is something that really is going to be up to up to see. Like this is up in the air because Boogie and Christian Woods are are nice additions, but we have no clue what this new coach is going to do. We have no clue how things are how things are going to look. I'm not as plugged in to know kind of what the what the ins and outs will be or what um, what an early idea would look like of their system how much is it still going to be hard in ball what what's the deal with Westbrook so that leads me to the, the obviously the hard and Westbrook combination um, it, it, it obviously both have demanded trades and they've made it hard in it specifically as perf- has stated where he prefers to play Westbrook has more so just kind of demanded a trade. Um, you know they got it. They got a new GM. They got a new head coach. Just basically a new front office. Uh, where is this Harden Westbrook thing going? In your opinion, do you see one of them getting traded before the start of the season? Both of them, maybe uh, they they stay together to start the season, and one gets moved at the deadline. What do you see happening in this Harden Westbrook Houston situation? At this point, I think they're going to start the season with both because Westbrook, there were a lot of rumors of him to Charlotte. Then they just drafted LaMelo and they paid Gordon Hayward that contract. They don't really have money now. The Knicks, I don't think they're giving up assets. I think they're going in the right direction right now. So I don't Mm -hmm. really see them trading for Westbrook. But we can always count on the Knicks to be the Knicks. (laughs) That is very true. (laughs) But uh, I just really don't see a team that would – go after Westbrook at the moment. And then Harden, they said they wanted a star back for him. And I don't see Brooklyn trading Kyrie at the moment since they signed him and KD to play together. And then Philly, I believe there was a report that said they wouldn't trade Ben Simmons. So I don't see either of them getting traded before the season starts. Yeah. And that that's interesting too, you know, the idea of trading Kyrie for Harden when I don't know if that's what Houston wants because I feel like it, if – if Kyrie and Westbrook or Kyrie building a team around him, I just don't, I think Houston would see that as why would we build a team around Kyrie when we can build a team around Harden, who's a much better player and, and probably, um, and, and probably the number one option on a, on a championship team, if all goes right, where Kyrie, I don't know if he's the number one option on a championship team. I don't think so. I think he's just that tier below. That's a, that's a number one option on a playoff team and and a and a damn good team if he's got the right pieces around him. But I don't think it's a championship contender team. So then I then you see then you turn into okay, what can we turn Kyrie into? And it's at that point you might as well just flip Harding for whatever extra assets you could get as opposed to flipping Kyrie for lesser, you know, an eighty percent of of James Harden or whatever. So that never really made sense to me which is why I think you're right. I think Harden will for sure start the season there. Um, I think Westbrook will too, maybe in a normal offseason when teams have more time to map things out. Maybe this whole Westbrook thing would have been solved before the start of the season. But in reality, I think that this is something that 
we're we're one year away from this move happening. I can see if Brooklyn doesn't if Brooklyn comes up short this uh, this season in the playoffs, I can see KD and Kyrie going to them. Hey, full force, we need this. We need James Harden and and Brooklyn panicking and making it happen. Um, and same with the, the, the Westbrook thing. I think the Westbrook thing is something that could maybe happen sooner, maybe in the season at the trade deadline, but probably this seems like something that's going to play out for, for a year, at least for Harden, maybe not for Westbrook. Yeah, 100%. I, I think that uh, to start the season, at least they'll be there. Harden, I mean, I've always viewed him as a Rockets guy for life, but mm-hmm. I think if the assets are there, if the trade's there in order to – get something great back for him or a great return they'll pull the trigger if he doesn't want to be there yeah and and i like i like nba star trades just as much as the next the next guy especially considering i have a podcast so for me my biggest podcasts are always the ones where the the stars get traded or the stars move so obviously from just a fan perspective i enjoy the movement i enjoy figuring out you know the fit and all that before it happens and making predictions and also, uh, you know, I get I, I get a lot more traffic. But this does seem like something that the Harden thing is going to take at least a year because it would be smart to say to let Brooklyn and Philly play out. And if neither Brooklyn or Philly, the best case scenario for Houston is neither of those teams win or go far in the playoffs, or even better, both of them underachieve and maybe lose in the second round, and then you can come to the table and. Philly will be like, okay, the ben, ben Simmons is on the table. And then you got and then you got Brooklyn going, everything is on the table. Maybe even Kyrie, if we have to bring in a third team where we can f- move Kyrie there and they can ship assets to you or however, however you want to do it. I just think that Houston would have so much leverage one more year from now because even though Harden has, you know, even though Harden is the player and the players normally have the normally have the leverage Harden is under contract for a couple more years so Harden can still it can still be revisited one year later and if we look at the Anthony Davis trade which is probably the most comparable star level talent trade when it comes to James Harden you know the Pelicans it was only the Pelicans and the Lakers like they sabotaged the entire market and yet they still got the house for uh, Anthony Davis so I think Houston's in a good position. Um, it's uncomfortable. I get it. You want to just move on, but um, and I don't think they do. They're, they've said that they're determined to work it out, but I get people wanting it to just be over with and move on, but I think that this is something that a year from now, the, the leverage will, will change. Do you see that, or do you see this as something that um, they should do sooner rather than later? Yeah, I agree with you 100%, especially about the Pelicans point with Anthony Davis. I think that uh, it makes a lot of sense. Like, if we just look at the assets that they got, they got Brandon Ingram, all-star. Lonzo, I mean, it might not be panning out, but still second overall pick. And they just got a haul of picks in return. And then we see what Drew Holiday is getting traded for, five first-round picks, essentially. I mean, yeah, James Harden, they, they should wait until they get the perfect package, exactly what they want. Because at the end of the day, they have the superstar, so they have the most leverage. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's bring up another one of your teams. So what team do you want to go to next? Uh, I guess we'll just stick with the Pelicans. Uh, I have them as interesting because I understand where they're going to an extent. So they obviously traded Drew Holiday for the Eric Bledsoe. They got George Hill, who they flipped with one of the five picks. 
to get Steven Adams. And I think all those picks in return for Drew Holiday was a great flip. It, it was yeah. great. Drew Holiday, they're not really in a position to win right now. He doesn't fit the timeline. But uh, it's great. Five first-round picks. However, when they sign uh, Steven Adams to an extension for, I believe, two years, $35 million, yeah. I just don't really agree with that. I think they could have got someone that works with Zion for way less or – without giving up one of those first round picks, I just don't really agree with Steven Adams being their center for the long term. Like Aaron Baines was on the market. He signed for, I believe, nine million. Sergi Baca, they could have threw him that 17 million. He would have fit perfectly next to Zion. Miles Turner, who they yeah. tried trading for last year and his trade value is low now. They could have tried to get him next to Zion. I just don't really like this Steven Adams and Zion pairing. And then on top of that, they're going to have to give Lonzo an extension. I don't think they'll do it this year, but next year if they want to keep him. And yeah. they don't really have wings on the roster, which is something – like they have Ingram, but besides Ingram, I don't really think they have many other wings. Like e Etuan Moore, I guess. Yeah. Etuan <laughs> Moore is a 2K god. Uh, but, yeah. But, yeah, I, I feel what you're saying. I, I agree. You know, they, you look at the Pelicans and it's like – Wow, they have eight really good players, but the roster isn't necessarily the perfect fit. Um, I actually like the Steven Adams trade until you brought up the idea of a Miles Turner or something. That's a that's an interesting conversation. I think the extension and the reason they did the Steven Adams deal is because it it's time to expire the same time that uh that Jackson Hayes and Zion expire. And so mm -hmm. Um, so then Steven Abs is kind of the stopgap to make them more competitive now while also being able to um, remain flexible or flexible for your, you know, your upcoming Zion and Jackson Hayes, which by then in the two year window, I think the Pelicans have a really interesting question to answer there on is Jackson Hayes and Zion going to be a, a thing that works or ultimately are we just moving Zion to the five and 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 shooing Jackson Hayes away. So I think that that's an interesting discussion that's further down the line, but this is a this is a um a player that's kind of a stopgap and you know, I I I would have liked to get the Miles Turner as well, but again, Miles Turner's under contract for more years, so I I think that that that's kind of probably why they did what they did was the financial flexibility. And this is interesting too the uh the Steven Adams because you brought up the Lonzo extension that's upcoming. And that's something that he had a very disappointing bubble. Uh, you know, before that, he was playing absolutely great. But a lot of people were shocked by how poor he was in the bubble. And a lot of people I've heard said that, you know, he just was mentally checked out. He didn't want to be there. I don't know if it was the bubble setting or if it was the or if it was the roster or or what was going on. So um, I will give a player a pass because I think the bubble is a is an extremely challenging situation. And we've heard a lot of players say that it didn't work for them. It wasn't as simple as just going in the gym and playing basketball. It was being isolated from family. So maybe that was it. I'm willing to give them a pass on that. But I think when it comes to the extension, the Steven Adams extension, I think that that, that kind of makes me curious uh, is, you know, looking at their cap sheet, what's going to what's gonna happen with Lonzo? Are they going to be willing to go over the cap to re-sign Lonzo? Yeah, that, that's a big question right there because Lonzo, he's obviously a good young player, but you don't want to overpay him, especially if he doesn't really fit 
with the mm-hmm. roster that they have around them right now. Like, they got Eric Bledsoe now. I don't know how that's going to work with him and Lonzo. Then they drafted another guard, uh, Kira Lewis, at 13. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have personally thought they would have went with a wing since they're already deep with guards. They took Nikhil Alexander-Walker last year. But, yeah, we have to see what they do with Lonzo. And if they do extend him, how much they're willing to pay and or how much the market's willing to pay, I guess. Yeah. And, and it's going to be a summer where um, where there's a lot of cat space. And that's actually what James Edwards said on my podcast that made me feel a little bit better about the Mason Plumlee signing because I'm sure you looked at that like, what's going on? And I promise I'm not going to get too deep into it. But a good point he offered that ties in here is that, you know, that contract may look away this summer because of you know you're seeing all these players get uh get get five million dollar deals or take the mid level or you know whatever take some sort of exception, but in the next summer we could see some more Timothy Mozgov contracts that just you know six months after the contract the franchise is scratching their head like what the hell did we just do and suddenly the the bad contract this year because all those teams have cap space next year and money to spend could look a lot better once we, once we see that, that, that off season coming. So that's something that I, I think can also apply to the Steven Adams extension. Um, it's just, it's a really interesting to see, to see how they're going to maneuver their cap. Cause like you said, they, they need wings and there, there's a clear shortage there, but they, they have a lot of contracts that are tradable. They have, they have Bledsoe, Stephen Adams. They have a lot of those contracts that are that are big. They're they're they they got some weight to them. They're seventeen, eighteen, nineteen million. But you can you can flip those for a lot of different things, especially next summer. So I think that's ultimately where they're going, and I think that could be concerning because Lonzo having having entering free agent at the right time with all those teams with cat space, all it takes is one desperate team, and Lonzo could be looking at a, a huge offer sheet that the Pelicans just don't want to match. Yeah, 100%. Like, we, we see it happen all the time where restricted free agents, they just get crazy offers. Like, Bogdanovich, in my personal opinion, I don't know if he's worth the $72 million that he got. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we, we just see it all the time, especially, like, a few years back with, like, Otto Porter and stuff. He got that oh, yeah. he got crazy deal. Yeah, there were a ton of free agents that offseason. That got yeah. crazy deals off potential. Yeah. All right. Let's jump to my last team then. Um, for the actually, wait. I'll, before we move off the Pelicans, one more thing. Okay. So, I I think like I think we both think it was a it was a relatively good off season for them. They continued to get assets. They took care of Ingram. Um, everything seems to be in the right direction for them. Um, you know, we can argue the Stephen Adams thing, but uh. Overall, I think it's a it's a solid to great off season for them, considering what they brought back in terms of in terms of future assets and talent. But you know they're in the West, and this might be the most competitive year ever. And they have a new coach and a lot of new pieces, and they come off an extremely disappointing bubble. So I feel like a lot of people, a lot of media pundits, are going to want to write them in as a playoff team or or this and or this and that. And I'm just. I'm not sure, honestly, what is fair expectations for them. Is playoffs too much? That seems too much expectation for me. But, um, you know, at the same time, it's, honestly, I could see a scenario where they don't even finish 12th, and that's just because the West is, is, is that good. 
So I, I don't know where I stand with them. So what's a fair expectation for you for the Pelicans this upcoming season? I think 10th seed, I, I know it's not a goal. Like the goal should yeah. obviously be the playoffs, but I think around the 10th seed is yeah. reasonable for them because like you said, the West is just super deep and yeah. it's a new roster, a lot of new pieces. It's going to be yeah. tough. And a new coach, man. I'm happy for Stan Van Gundy, man. I know he didn't work out in Detroit, but uh, I always loved him as a person and as a coach. Um, you know, I, I understand that tactically he maybe didn't make the most of his of his situations, but I think that that was more so him balancing the the GM and the and the coaching hat. Whereas now he's coming to just be a coach, so I I, I like I, I like Stan Van Gundy in New Orleans, and I'm and I'm excited for him. And it's going to be interesting. They're going to be a really interesting team to watch. But the last team I want to bring up for me is the Miami Heat, the other finals competitor, the Eastern Conference Finals champion. Uh, so they brought in Avery Bradley, Mo Harkless, and they re-signed Myers Leonard. They lost Jay Crowder. They extended Bam five years, $163 million. So my simple question with them is extending BAM essentially takes them out of the Giannis sweepstakes. Um, I think that seems to be a sign that teams around the league believe that Giannis is going to ultimately resign with Milwaukee. Um, I think that that's something that that has been said on Zach Lowe's podcast. It's something that's been said other places as well. So I think that I think that there's a strong belief around the league that Giannis is ultimately going to resign with Milwaukee and so now my question is where does Miami pivot next to get a star if Miami is out of grasp they don't have many first uh, they value the young players they have they need the young players they have to be competitive and under under good contracts and they need them to overperform their contracts so I, I where does Miami go from here I mean is this the team that they're running to try and win a title with or are they looking at or are they still looking for that move for another star? What are you do what are you doing if you have the GM hat for the Miami Heat? Um, if I'm the GM, I know Washington and Bradley Beal have said that they don't want to trade him. He doesn't want to leave, but you have Tyler Hero and they have some pretty good young assets. And if Bradley Beal wants out, I've heard rumors about him and John Wall not liking each other. Mm-hmm. You you gotta try to make that move because yeah. I think Tyler Hero, he could be great. In the future, but he's no Bradley Beal, in my personal opinion, at least. Yeah, and oh, that yeah. would I'm, I'm with that 100. percent Yeah, that that would move them to uh that, that would just take them to another level. Like Jimmy Butler, he's a good scorer, but Bradley Beal, he'll be that guy for you yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I think that ultimately, if that does become available, and things look the the NBA dominoes are a real thing when it comes to the superstars. Like if James Harden is on the trade market, because obviously, uh, you know, six months ago, everybody was talking about, okay, when is Bradley Beal going to be a net? Not if, but when, you know, and now all of a sudden James Harden's available and, and Brooke was like, hold my beer, you know, like we got to go for this. This is Harden is the guy. So it could actually be a very interesting time for Washington because they could be entering the bidding at the wrong time where there's, they now they have the cream of the crop, and now they have somebody who's obviously still going to attract a, a, a ton of value wherever he goes, but maybe is diminished and maybe lost is maybe losing some potential suitors because Philly and Brooklyn and these other teams are looking at James Harden. 
So I, I don't know. Do you think that that affects Bradley Beal's value, or do you think that that's something that Bradley Beal is just going to – Washington is going to get what they get for Bradley Beal whenever they decide to trade him? I think Washington's going to ultimately get what they get because, like, they, there's not too many, like, stars or guys that can just give you 30 in the league. And mm-hmm. since he has the ability to do that, I think, they like, no matter when they trade him, if it was last year or next year, they're still going to get a lot of value at a Bradley Beal, regardless if Harden's on the market or not, in my personal opinion. Yeah, that's ultimately where I lean. I do think though I do think though it can it can limit the suitors, but I, I do think at the end of the day I just keep going back to the Anthony Davis and obviously Bradley Beal is, is tears below Anthony Davis, but I think that that showed a lot when a star can basically go thermonuclear and destroy all other suitors and they still get the Pelicans still get exactly, you know, like the, the, the biggest bag they can get from, from the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers literally gave them pretty much everything they had except Kyle Kuzma, which a year later, I'm sure they don't, they wouldn't have minded throwing in the deal if, if they had to, to get it done. But yeah, I just, I think that again, at the end of the day, when it comes to these superstars, they can demand trades and player empowerment's a real thing. And they have the power to move and they have the power to make organizations move them to where they like but I do think organizations are starting to realize hold on we can still always get the bag we don't have to just take the first offer the day Bradley Beal says hey I want to be a Miami Heat that Miami is going to offer their first their first offer is going to be a low ball that's just how negotiations work and I can see Washington you know look if they're smart thinking no, okay, don't take the first offer. I don't care if they're the only team in the sweepstakes. At the end of the day, we're going to get the right assets because they're the team that's desperate. They're the team that needs a star. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's best to wait as a trade suitor. Like, I know Drew Holiday, once again, another great example. Five first-round picks, and I think Bradley Beal's a tier above him. So, yeah, they, they should definitely wait it out and try to see what they can get or get the best package as possible. Yeah, man. It's going to be really interesting to see what Miami does because, you know, they, they need those young guys too. So it's going to be really interesting if a star becomes available and is linked to Miami, what exactly is, is going to be moved back in the trade. But for now, let's jump to your last team of the off season that, that stood out to you. Which team is it? Uh, my last team is going to be the Atlanta Hawks. They drafted uh, Onyeko Okongwu. I think that's how you say his name. They yep. picked up uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, four years, 72, I believe. They got Danilo Gallinari for four years, 80-something. My fault. I don't have the number off the top of my head. They picked up Chris Dunn, Rajon Rondo as well. And my biggest question – well, I actually have two questions with them. What happens with John Collins, and are they a playoff team? Because in my personal opinion, there are seven teams that are clearly ahead of them, but the eighth seed's up for grabs, and I don't know if they have enough talent and chemistry to get that eighth seed. I see a lot of people saying that they might be a top five seed on Twitter, which I think is yeah. crazy. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear if you think they're a playoff team and about John Collins' future. Okay, um... Okay, let's go with the playoff first because that's what I had wrote. I said, this is going to be a lot of people's sexy pick for the playoffs. Uh, like you said, I wasn't seeing those five-seed takes, but I was I was feeling like come prediction time, I was feeling like a lot of people were going to do that. But remember last year when everybody was saying Atlanta Hawks were going to be a seventh seed, so 
I get it. Their roster is more talented. They have more experienced players on their team. Um, their, their roster is just overall better than what it was last year, and you can expect uh, improvements from Trey Young and all of that. But I, I ultimately think that this is a team that should win the eighth seed. I just look at the other eighth seed competitors. I look at, you know, a, a, a Charlotte, a Detroit, uh, a Washington, and a, um, and a Orlando, and I think the Hawks are just better than those teams, but uh, not by a lot, not by a lot. I mean, any type of injury, any type of anything can change each of those teams' seasons, so they're not a lock. They would be my favorite for the eighth seed right now if I'm just, if I'm just you know, free-balling, but I, I, these ideas of them, you know, climbing Indiana, Toronto, and, you know, who else? Uh, Brooklyn was a 7th seed last year. They're damn sure not going to be a 7th seed this year. So it's going to be it's gonna be a lot tougher to get 5 than I think people realize because I, think, I assume Philadelphia is going to be better. They're not going to burst out like they did this year and just completely flail out and bust. Um Boston will Boston might be the team that takes a step back um in terms of seeding but I they're obviously still going to be assuming Kemba's healthy and his knee is okay they're going to be relatively the same level of talent uh maybe even better if Jason Tatum does take that next level but uh, I just don't see I don't see the Hawks getting you know past the seventh seed at best you know I just I look at all these East teams that were in the playoffs last year and I and I say, okay, you know, they all they all should be there next year, and they should be relatively the same, if not better. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. I think that their ceiling for this season, at least, is the eighth seed. Mm-hmm. I, I just I can't imagine a world. I mean, for Hawks fans, hopefully I'm wrong, but I, I can't imagine a world where they do any better than eighth. But it, it'll be interesting to see how the lineup works. Clint Capella should be back for the season. I heard that. Uh, Danilo Gallinari is going to be coming off the bench. That's what uh, the Hawks GM said today. So mm-hmm. that's going to be interesting as well. And John Collins wants a max. So I'd love to see where they go with that after just paying Gallinari, Bogdanovich, drafting o- Okongwu. I don't know. I-, I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a very much a potential sign and trade in the in the off season. I think that's the direction it's going. I think John Collins is a is a good player that Atlanta Hawks want back, but again, I keep going to I really think it's going to be close to 2016 again. Teams are going to be more concerned than they were in 2016. Um, a lot of a lot of owners will not forget about that off season, and the league won't let them forget about that off season. So I I, I think that while there are a lot of teams with cap space and a lot of money will be spent, uh, for the most part, it will be more level headed. But still, at the end of the day, it's going to be it's going to be a wild offseason next season, especially if Giannis doesn't sign the Supermax. If Kawhi and Paul George say the Clippers aren't working, um, you know, there's a lot of things that can really change um, change the offseason. And if all of those guys stay, then suddenly John Collins is looking at being one of the main guys because he's sold as, you know, this young guy who's got a lot of talent. And then all of a sudden he gets that max that he's looking for, and the Hawks are forced to decide, do we want to max him? Um and match this or do we want to sign and trade him to a, a team and maybe get some other assets back and just keep this pushing without him so yeah I agree I think the John Collins thing is something that you know we're gonna have to wait and see because I, I really think that that's gonna come down to free agency 
Uh, and I think that I think we'll get we'll get inklings of it though in the playoffs and in the and maybe if they make it there during the regular season we'll we'll, we'll see you know is is John Collins playing time going down what's the word on him um, I'm sure I'm sure his agent will be leaking stuff if things aren't going the right way so that's gonna be something I'm glad you brought that up because that's gonna be something that's gonna be very interesting for the Hawks who are a young team. Do they suddenly abandon one of their most prized young possessions in order to get these veterans to try to win? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they go. I like the pieces that they got. I mean, DeAndre Hunter is still there, which is yep. going to be nice. Uh, they have a lot of young pieces. It's going to be fun. It's going yeah, it's going to be one of my league pass teams for sure next oh, season. Oh yeah, yeah, they're definitely going to be a great league pass team. Um, and just to just to recap who they brought in and out um, for those that that don't remember it so they brought in Bogdanovich like you said on four year 72 Gallinari I don't remember the money on and and, and um, Rajon Rondo they brought in they brought in Chris Dunn uh, they brought in Solomon Hill and Tony Snell and of course like you said they still have their young core of of John Collins Trey Young uh, Kevin Herter DeAndre Hunter they lost Vince Carter, who retired. They lost DeAndre Bemby. Uh, they lost Jeff Teague to the Celtics, and Bembry went to the Raptors, by the way. And they lost Dwayne Denman, who was traded to Detroit. And we got to kind of also include Capella in there, you know, cause considering they got him at the trade deadline and everything kind of went to, or, you know, like kind of flailed out right after that shortly with the with the pandemic that we're in. So the Hawks really didn't get the full Capella um the the full like experience of Capella so I almost kind of count him as a free agent too for them this year yeah basically because he hasn't even suited up for them yet and yeah I'd love to see how they do the minutes with the young guys because they they Mm -hmm. still have a lot of young players Cam Reddish as well uh yeah I'd love to see how they mix it in do they try to develop those players more or do they just give Gallinari a lot of minutes uh Bogdanovich a lot of minutes and just try to win now try I'd I don't know. It's just going to be very interesting to see yeah. how this season goes for them. Yeah, because I definitely think that because of the, the – the, they're going to have a lot of heat on them. So if they are underperforming, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of talk, um, you know, about young guys versus old guys, the, the, the whole camp splitting, um, the, idea of, the idea of agents getting involved and trying to get players moved and all that. I think, I think things could become very messy for the Hawks if they underachieve. However, I like their roster. I think they should be a playoff team. I would rock with them to get the eighth pick right right now, the eighth seed. But again, we'll we'll see. For now, young Simba, I don't know if I'm going to have you on the podcast again before the year's over. I'm gonna to try to get you when uh when the NBA season starts back up. But I got two quick things for you that are, that are personal. So one, let's stick on let's stick on the subject of basketball before we get to a little rap talk, and. I did not get 2K21 this year. The first time I haven't gotten a 2K game or just a basketball game since I I can ever remember. And the reason I did that was because I looked at, okay, the Xbox and the PlayStation are coming out in November. I'll get it with the new system. Now that the new system has all this shortage and and crazy high demand, I'm not paying $9,000 for Xbox or, or a PlayStation. So... I don't know where I'm at at this point. 
do I do I break down and cop the cop the new the current gen 2K21 because I looked at that and it just looks like it's 2K20 with a sticker slapped on it that says 2K21. It looks like they put all their energy into 2K21 on the next gen. Uh, yeah, I would 100% not recommend getting the game. It's honestly <laughs> terrible. I know that's probably not the greatest thing for me to say, but uh, yeah, I, I would not recommend the game whatsoever. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, do you got the uh, Do you got the next gen yet? Yeah. Yeah. I have a PS Five. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I I haven't I haven't been able to keep up on everybody's stuff the last couple of weeks, so I'm gonna have to check your channel after this to see see how it's like. And you liking it better? Not really. Uh, if I'm being really? honest, no. Nah, I'm I'm not a big fan. But they released the patch today. I haven't really checked it out too much. But a lot of people are saying good things. But the first week or two, I haven't been a fan <laughs> to say that. Hmm. To say the least. I mean, yeah, that that's kind of two K normal though. Usually they have that tough launch week, and then and then they they kind of get they kind of right the ship a little bit um, as as the year goes on. But do you feel like it's do you feel like the the next gen one is is the same or as two K twenty or like what what's uh, the kind of issues the, with it? The park is um I mean or neighborhood I believe it's called uh it's it's different one hundred percent like it's a whole new uh vibe to it but i feel like they did too much if that makes sense like there's billboards all over the courts are always laggy and stuff it's just they need to make it more simple uh to put it that way and then my team's the exact same uh my league i've heard is the same for the most part so i mean it it all depends on your perspective i guess but i'm not the biggest fan yeah they tried to make the they tried to make the park look like gta (laughs) yeah definitely We'll see. But uh, lastly, man, I got to get you some rap talk because I'm going to get you on the rap side of the podcast too soon. Um, so what's your albums of the year so far as we're close uh, to the end of the year? Conway, From a King to a God, and Benny Burden of Proof. Those are my top two. I can't really tell you which one. And then number three would have to be Freddie Gibbs Alfredo. So those are my top three. And then... Okay. Uh, Say it again. Say it again. Uh, Conway from King to a God. Okay. Benny, Burden of Proof, Freddie Gives Alfredo, and then my sleeper would be a uh, Katori Walker, uh, Idols. Uh, I don't know if many people know about him, but no, I he, don't. I I don't even, and I'm I need to be put hip to that. So I'm gonna need you to I'm gonna need you to send me that after the after the podcast because I I try to stay up on everything, and even that's something that that slipped by me this year. Yeah, that, that's my guy. I, I like him a lot. <laughs> Shout out to Katori. Okay. Yeah. Okay, man. I'm gonna check that. I'm gonna check that. For me, man, it's it's Detroit two. Um, it's Detroit two. Big Sean. That's my number one for sure. And and uh, the number two is also a, a clear a clear step above. You know, as much as I love the Royce project, the the Freddie and Freddie and Alk project you talked about, Alfredo. Um, I think that I think that Limbo by Amina is just incredible. Mm-hmm. I really like that album. Have you heard that? Nah, I have not checked that out yet. I definitely have to. Bro, I'm telling you, I I think Amina gets that gets a certain rap because of his because of his lyrical or because of his like you know his big hit Caroline. I think mm-hmm. he's kind of boxed in as like a like a fun poppy rapper, but um, he is really really dope. At, at making songs and he's really charismatic and uh you see a lot of Kanye influence in him on this album but this album is like 
this album I think is like him literally trying to make a classic. Not saying it is a classic, but this is him like trying to, like his hardest to make a, a a really good album, and it's it's really solid. He's he's really he's rapping his ass off on that project. All right, I'll definitely make sure to check that out tomorrow. Yeah, yeah I have to. All right, but and and did you did you like Detroit too, or did you listen to it? Oh, uh, I I'll be honest. I'm not a big Sean guy. I've never yeah. really liked him. But the song with Wale and Anderson Pac, that that's still in the playlist. And of course the mm-hmm. track with Nipsey. Yeah. I gotta rock with that. But I, I'm I've never really been a big Sean guy. Allegory though, I believe you said that was yeah. three. I, I love that album. Uh shout yeah. out to Royce. Shout out to Royce, who just got Grammy nominated today. Yes, Much sir. deserved. Super happy for him. Um but yeah, yeah, I feel you. That's the that's the thing I've I've run into with Big Sean is that Everybody that listened to the album, if they don't like Big Sean, they were just like, okay, yeah, like this is this is not bad, but it but it's still not for me. Um, I haven't really heard anybody say like, yeah, like I just straight up don't like it. Uh, the people that that don't like Big Sean, which I understand why. Like I I really at first didn't understand it, but now as I as I've talked to more people that feel that way about Big Sean, I understand it. I totally disagree, but I understand why people feel that way about Big Sean. But uh, yeah, I think that this is a this is his this is his best project, and I I'm really thoroughly rocking with it. Of course, I might be a little bit biased because you know Detroit's not where I'm from, but it's where my heart is. So it's something that it's something that you know the the stories about having Dave Chappelle, my favorite comedian, talk about Detroit, or having you know Stevie Wonder talk about Detroit. The Erica Baidu one don't make sense, but whatever. She's Erica Baidu, <laughs> we let it fly. But uh that that was really cool and then i thought that i thought that it was a lot of songs but i thought that each song was was really good and it it there was nothing that really stood out as as terrible or or i could do without because at the end of the day i like i like literally every song of that project so that's hard to do when you're doing 21 songs or 20 songs so i i enjoyed it man but um but yeah i see why you feel the way you feel about big sean yeah i mean hey if you like all 21 songs that's that's great for 2020 the way we're in with fast food music so that, yeah. that that's a great album if it has 10 10 songs eight songs that's yeah. a great album to me at this stage yeah but, that's true <laughs> that's definitely true but all right young sim i'm gonna get you on to talk some more hip-hop another time i'm gonna let this one i'm gonna let this one rock though uh just because i wanted to get i wanted to give you some 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 rap talk real quick just because you know, I, I know you're well versed in both the basketball world and the hip hop world, so I needed to get your takes on that. Uh, my boy, check him out, Young Simba, the 2K Messiah. I will link his YouTube channel in the description and his Twitter. Um, and and is you want me to link your Instagram as well? Uh, no, nah, it's fine. Uh, okay. Really, yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't, I think I follow you on Instagram, but I'm not even entirely sure if I if I've seen you on Instagram. I know I see you all the time on Twitter, so. Um, yeah, regardless, all the links that that uh, that you need to find him and interact with him will be in the description of the podcast. Check it out. He's he's dope. He's my he's my favorite 2K YouTuber. And I don't just say that because he's on the podcast, but um, he makes great content. He's, he's he's cool. He's got a real dope setup, especially if you're a hip hop fan. We'll get into that another time when we can kind of see visually what's going on. But um, yeah, man, continue to do the great work. And uh, I look forward to I look forward to collaborating with you again, my man. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you to all the fans that listen. (laughs) 